Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Amanda. And we're We're No More Pie, the podcast about making change, loving your life, and learning to say no. This week, uh, we will be talking about our careers and how we've navigated them thus far and hoping you all can take some lessons learned from the lessons we have already learned. Yeah, so to kind of start it off, just a little bit more about us. We, Amanda and I both came from very much like from elementary school, uh, grade school, college, grad school, and then joining the workforce. So it was very much around the fact of we were in school and then we just weren't. And it was a really, especially for me personally, it was a really big shocker of like, what? I don't have this like community that's been with me from the very beginning. Like I'm now have this job that I have to go to every day and I have to kind of figure out like, where is my footing at? I'm learning this new field. I'm learning this new position. Like, how do I make sure that I'm able to learn and still do my job well? And with that, it really is something where the real world experience that you get in school is so much different than actually being in your chosen air quote career. Because for me, I ended up not even using my degrees and finding that I am now in a position where I'm going back to school because... It took me working to figure out what I wanted to do. So what I tell my interns and even my younger staff, I was like, it's so much better to take that time after undergrad sometimes to Mm -hmm. really figure it out for a few years and then go back. But then I always follow that up with, but if school's free, go. Yeah. But now I'm at a point where I'm like, I'm going back to school and I am pushing 30 and it's just adjusting back from being in a life where... My credit card is very heavily used to now going back to being a student. So that's just one of those things that I always tell folks. I'm like, sometimes it's better to go back (laughs) when you're still used to being a student, but not right away. Yeah. Um, Because you do. And you, like, I know specifically for myself when, uh, like, my degrees was very much heavily, like, theories based. You know, like, here is this cookie cutter. Every person that enters this way, this is the way that'll go based on whatever theory. And... In real life, that's not the case at all. But the benefit of going to school like right afterwards is that I was able to, one, still have that community involved, uh, still be able to have kind of that safe space to be able to maneuver about. But going based off like what Amanda had just said, I'm very much so like if I could like flip the switch and redo everything, I don't think I would have jumped like from undergrad straight to grad school because there is like there's a sweet spot at that younger age of being able to really learn and explore to see like, what are your interests? Right. And not, and doing it in a setting that's not academic, I think is also very beneficial. And so I think with that though, we've both seen how powerful just having the master's degree Mm -hmm. behind your name can be, especially once your foot is in the door. I attribute how fast, I've been able to move through the organizations I've been in because I've had a master's degree. Because it is a bargaining chip you do get to bring to the table, right? It Mm -hmm. does show you have a level of stamina to do that much school and that you are able to put up with something no matter how hard that thing is trying to squish you. There's a resilience that that type of schooling can give you Mm -hmm. that I think the employers we both had value. Yeah, definitely. And I think going back to... Or picking back up on what Amanda said about squishing, that really leads into our next topic about talking about what it is like 
to progress through education um, and then join the workforce and be a manager Mm -hmm. and learning to manage a team while we're also significantly younger Mm -hmm. than the people that are on our teams. Right. And you're still learning the workforce because, yes, we we both worked in college, but working in college is such another (laughs) Mm -hmm. beast than being in an office environment and one that's very large and has a lot of bureaucracy to it because for me I worked for the university when I was going to school so yes there was Mm -hmm. this level of bureaucracy but there was just something different and so you find yourself being a manager learning how to be a manager while you're also dealing with age differences with your staff potentially because your staff like I have younger staff but I also have staff that is older than me and it's Learning to also not doubt yourself and doubt that you earned that spot too. Because that it's really easy to feel like, oh, I'm younger, like am I the best choice? Yeah. So it's not ageisming yourself and making sure you're not being ageismed. I don't know if that's a word. I think I just made up a word. You're not being <laughs> ageismed by the people on your team. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like how you like what made you want to apply to be a manager? I think for me it was I'm not going to lie, the money. Understood. It was a significant raise from where I had started my career. Mm-hmm. And the system I chose and continue to choose to work in, the way you make more money is eventually having to progress into that management role. Mm-hmm. And so and so that's kind of, I just fell into it, right? And the field of study and work I do had an opening for a manager. And I was like, you know what? They had an opening for a manager and they had an opening for an assistant. And I went for both, right? Mm-hmm. I was just like, I just wanted to be in that field. And I was like, let me go for both. Whatever lands, lands. Probably going to end up being the assistant because I was like, you know, newer in my career. Mm-hmm. I would, I'll be the first that my confidence wasn't there for the manager. But I was like, what the hell? Like, I'll go for it. And ended up getting offered the management position. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> I actually have to do this now I actually have to figure out how to be a manager like I know the theory behind my job I know how to do my job but I know how to do my job when my job is just letting Amanda know what to do and Mm -hmm. Amanda doing the work it was a whole nother skill set I had to build to then trust Mm -hmm. a team to do the work for me because at the end of the day there's just one of me yeah there's a reason when you manage you have a team because the scope of work you're doing is so expansive. So mm-hmm. for me, it was, and it, I've never sought out be like, yes, I want to be a manager. I want to manage people. Like, honestly, I'd be so happy in a cave just doing my work by myself. But it was something I had to do to be able to start doing the work I wanted to. So reversing that, why did you want to be a manager? I was kind of initially thrown into it. Mm-hmm. My... Uh, So I was in a position where my manager had actually vacated and they needed someone to fill the role and I was selected to do it. So I was very much like I was a coordinator one day and then the very next day I was a manager overseeing a team of seven with some of the largest projects throughout the um, department. It was a very big switch and also like trying to figure out like what does what does this mean? 
and kind of on the flip of yours, we are very much like, I like to do the work. I like to like sit down, just put me in the dark cave and do it. I love telling people what to do. Like that is my favorite thing. Oh my God. Ever since I was younger, I would always boss everyone around to play the games that I want to play. Uh, and like that's kind of translated into now my career. I'm like, I really, I like managing people. I like being able to work with a variety of different people, see what their skill sets are, and then making sure that what they're best at is what they're focusing on and being able to also protect my employees times to make sure that they're not getting overextended or that they're not being supported in the way that they're supposed to so this is something where I'm like I really like doing this and I did it pretty well and now I want to make a career to make sure that like yes I want to manage people which I think is so funny how we rip off of each other because we were in the same department And me, I was like, I'm going to do this because I want to build my program. I want to do this field of work that I'm in. And this is how I'm going to do that here while I'm in this, this city. And I just saw you go into your role and you just were killing it. You were having so much fun. And I was just like, kudos to her. I think my introvert comes out when I manage. But I think that's what made us, too, during the time we were able to work as a team at work yeah be so efficient because we we were able to riff off of each other's energies like that and I think that's one thing I wish employers would also like sometimes further support on their staff is like you need to help those managers that aren't naturally extroverted or Mm -hmm. comfortable immediately going into that management role to get comfortable like now I'm comfortable Mm -hmm. now I have had to learn the hard way a few times yeah. I've had my floaties popped more than <laughs> once. Um, but it, it, it took learning those lessons to be able to get comfortable managing. And now I, I know I can do it. Mm-hmm. Do I enjoy it? And is it something I'm like, yes, let me just keep doing this for the rest of my career. No, I think that's like why I'm like, let me go get my law degree. So I can be in like my dark room doing the research, yeah. working with a team, but like in a different sense of then like, I don't always need to be the people manager. Yeah. I can be the project manager. I can do all that stuff. But, like, people management is just... I'm a nerd. It doesn't let me do the day-to-day, like, researchy stuff that I love. And I think that's why I've struggled a little bit with it is because I don't get to spend as much time creating. Mm -hmm. Because the expectation is when you're in management, your staff is the one creating. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that about myself. Is like, I like to be the creator, not the one managing the creators. Yeah. That makes sense. So, you like, we've both been in this role for a little over a year now, right? How long have we been doing this? Two years? Um, It's been a while. Year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So, with that, we went from not knowing how to do this to how right. to do this. What do you think is some of, like, yes, this was the light bulb switch to how I was able to manage my team better? That might be able to help someone else who's either a new manager or, like, in this role for the first time. Right. I think you have to learn how to adjust your leadership style to the person. That's very good. Like, you can't just have a one-size-fits-all approach because mm-hmm. we all aren't one-size people. Which is hard, though, right? Because it almost feels like you're doing a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing because you could have one meeting with one staff and you could be this really bubbly extroverted version of yourself right Mm -hmm. that's just you know really just doing a check-in but not really doing like deep 
editing of the work. Yeah. And then you can go into the like the next meeting and then all of a sudden it's like you have your checklist, you are like redirecting right away, you are doing some deeper edits of the work and all of a sudden, but that was within like a ten minute switch mm-hmm. of like that. So it's like learning to also like learn how to do that and and recognize enough of your employees' needs to know what they need from you and not take it personal, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're adjusting your style to help them succeed and you have to remind yourself of that when you start feeling weird about switching mm-hmm. approaches for me because that was the hardest part it was like it felt almost disingenuous but then I had to realize it was being more genuine mm-hmm. and more kind to that person to switch my approach in that way but it is something you have to learn because at first it does not feel natural because people always tell you be yourself be this and you still are in a sense you're just being a different version yeah that the moment calls for and I've also had to learn to not take things to heart yeah um which is really hard uh and it's also learning to the buck stops with you sometimes like as a manager you need to be able to step in yep if that was me I we got that that was on me we should have caught like you have to be able to be humble enough to do that to protect mm-hmm. your staff too and understand that there is a responsibility on you that yeah at a certain point it's your head that yep. is the one that rolls but then it's also appreciating that there's usually a few heads above you <laughs> that need to roll too yeah. before it sometimes comes down to you and I always joke and I'm like yeah I think I'm comfortable being at middle management because I like that my head can roll for certain things mm-hmm. but it's not the top head rolling yeah um so yeah I think that's for me well, how about for you? I think the biggest thing that I learned is make sure that you're comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Like, you have to... When you're managing someone going back off of, like, their work, you will have employees that are fantastic and that you can give them... Like, you can tell them, hey, I want a picture of a tree, and they come out with a forest. You know, you, you don't need to give them as much guidance. And then you have other employees where it's very much like, I don't know how to tell you how to make a PB&J sandwich so many different ways, you know, and it's still like, this is not what I was looking for. And it's very much so coming to them and letting them know what your expectations of work are. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes it can be, it can be hard to be like, hey, like this is not it. Like, let's really have a conversation to see, like, where is this disconnect so we can make sure that this doesn't happen again. When I was a a camp counselor, one of the things that they told us when they were teaching us, now you have, like, these 50 kids that you have to oversee, and you're going to have some kids that just freaking suck. Like, they just suck. Like, they're annoying, they're loud, they are mean, like, they just, like, oh, God, they're awful. And when their parent comes to pick them up, of course, you want to be like, you have spawned Satan. Like, please, please move. I don't want to see this kid again. But you can't. You can't do that because the parents won't take it well. And at the end of the day, that kid's still going to come up because the parent's paying for camp. So what they told us to do is you want to have a craft sandwich. So you want to always start with something about like, what what did this kid do really well? So again, all kids... Sometimes they just suck, but there's always, like, something that they do. Like, okay, I really like the way this child would, like, play during playtime. Like, that was the only time that they're ever good is because they can get all their energy out, and they're actually kind of funny. So you tell them, like, why you like their kid, and then you list, like, tangibly what did their kid do wrong that day. 
So you can say like, I really like this kid, or I really like your child. He was able to do this during playtime. However, when it came down to lunchtime, he was just like throwing his food. Uh, he wasn't listening to directions. And then you don't want to just end on that note. You just don't want to tell your kid, like tell the parent, like, this is why I like your kid. This is why they suck. You always have to end on a positive. So you have to sandwich it and be like, I know that little Johnny, he's really good at recess. So next time, like starting tomorrow, we're going to, if he's able to keep up his good work, we'll able to make him the recess monitor, something like that. And even though I was given this advice when I was working with third graders, it's the same advice that I tell people when you're working with adults. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you will just have the employee where like, they are draining me. They are literally like, I want to pull my hair out because they ask so many questions. And because you will, you will have employees like that. But you also have to take that extra effort and really notice what are they doing that's well. Mm -hmm. And when you have those hard conversations where they're not getting their work on time, where it's not to the quality that you want, you don't just want to go in and start berating them. You want to be able to say like, hey, I know that you're able to do this really well and I really appreciate that. However, I'm noticing that your timeline for work isn't coming along as well and say like well this is what we can do better and then again you're ending on this is why I know that you would be a really like you're such a good fit for the team is because you do think so creatively however we also have to make sure that we're able to get everything to me on time when I ask it and I just want to point out something you just did because I was a residence assistant that's how I worked through undergrad and one of the things they always taught us because we had to do a lot of mediation because when you throw a bunch of 18 year olds in a bedroom together in a giant building together like chaos will ensue fights will ensue it is I have gray hairs from that um (laughs) but you were just modeling eye language and that is something that's so critical too when you're a manager is always using eye language I feel I see because it also you never want to get somebody in a defensive space and this Mm -hmm. is even like outside of work right um because I've had coworkers point out, because we've gone through manager trainings um, in our organization, and sometimes they go over the relationship building portion and the trust building portion. And all of us will go into breakout rooms and we're like, this kind of sounds like just how you build trust in relationships outside of work. Mm-hmm. And so it's also remembering that those people skills that let you be successful outside of work will also allow you to be successful inside of work. And you just need to learn how to adjust it to fit that the situation and thrive. And also know, and this is something I would like, not everybody enjoys being a manager. Yeah. Sometimes you do have to do do the management stuff to be able to do the work you that you do enjoy. Mm-hmm. And you just have to remember, like, it's worth sometimes the discomfort to be able to do the work you're enjoying to do and wanting to do as well. Because... Unless you're Emily. (laughs) Sometimes people managing is not the fun part of the job. Yeah. But also, too, I think the other thing, I was uh, watching TikTok, as I always do, and a TikToker was talking about how your manager has just as much effect on your mental health as your therapist does. Because you think of it like you're... If you see your therapist once a week, that's for one hour, Mm -hmm. but you work for 40, typically 40 hours a week. So you want to make sure that you're able to be seen and being heard and reflective in a, a work of environment that's also supportive of you. And so I think that really goes into our next conversation about like knowing when it's okay to say like, hey, this position has served my time here. 
it's also time for me to reflect and make sure that I'm also, even if I'm not managing people, that I have a manager that's able to see me and help me. Yeah. And I think you, you need to know yourself to be able to do that work. Mm -hmm. And you need to know when the horrible parts of work are a reflection because that person is needing to do work that they haven't done yet. And you need to know when to step back and, like, whether it's, like, literally stepping back and finding a new job or it's just stepping back and protecting your mental health and learning that the battles you're fighting are just going to be fought somewhere else. Yeah. And to protect yourself, you just need to disengage yeah. a little. And I really appreciate your take on the your manager having as much impact on your mental health as your therapist and I think just in this moment that makes me reflect like on how I'm going to go back into work with my staff and Mm -hmm. how I interact with them and I tend to try to give my staff protected one-on-one time as Mm -hmm. much as I can without it being draining right it's like once a week for 30 minutes but I feel like that's important so they can we can check in and I can make sure the work's going but after that too because we're all adults I give them the space and breathing room mm-hmm. to do what they got to do for the other 39 hours and 30 minutes yeah. of that week. And if they need me, great, cool. I'm there and I can be supportive. But like, because they are adults and they know what they mm-hmm. need and they can make those decisions for themselves. Yeah. And that makes sense. And I know like when I, my previous position, like I said, me and Amanda used to work together. Like, I love my staff. Like, I had a really good team that I was overseeing. I was very good at making sure that I was protective of their time so that they weren't burnt out and that they were able to manage their workload. However, it was also a time where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. You know, like, the department that we're at is just like, I. it's no longer serving me and it's making me take this home to my wife and it's not, I'm not showing up as the person that I want to be. And though I do have a great team and I know that I'm excelling here, this is, I can't do it anymore. And it's also okay to say that Mm -hmm. it's okay to be like, Hey, this has served me, whether it be as like a growth in my position or just enough money to cover rent and food. Like this position has served me. It's also time for me to go somewhere else. And I'm very much the fact of, like, I'm always passively looking for a new job. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm always very much so, like, something's better is out there. I just need to apply for it. And I always tell people the best time to start looking for a job is when you don't need it. Exactly. Because when you need to get out of the situation that I was in, it's hard to be like, okay, I have to find something tomorrow. Because this puts even more stress on yourself versus what my previous role where I was like hey this job's not too bad again I'm it's works pays my bills it's not hard it's fine but now like since I was passively looking I'm able to like start a new career in March where I will be able to grow even more learn a new skill set because I was I was in a place where I'm like okay I'm just gonna continue to look and I think that's like so that's the advice I've gone throughout my entire career too is look when you're employed Mm mm-hmm because you won't just jump the first thing that moves. My first job out of grad school, I was miserable. I was probably depressed. Uh, like, in reflection, I was depressed. I was not... 
I was making enough to live, but not enough based off of my career, my, mm-hmm. my, my education, my background, my experience. But the reason why I took it was I was just left with my master's. I was freaked out. I needed money. Yep. Like, and I just took the first thing that grabbed me. But once I was in there and I realized how miserable I was, I started looking yeah. and then things started snowballing and I started getting poached into mm-hmm. different jobs. And for a while there, I was getting poached versus looking. Yeah. And that's also the best place to be in, too. Oh, yeah. That's a great feeling to be like, oh, they want me. <laughs> yeah. it's And it's also knowing when to step back, too. Yeah. And again, going back to sometimes it's just like knowing when to not fight the battles anymore. Yep. And just react to what's being asked of you, even though you know it's not the best it could be. Just acknowledge that this is what they want right now. That's not a reflection on me or my work. My ideas will stay in my head. I'll journal them down. I'll take them to who wants them next. But I'm not going to kill myself to try to make somebody want my creativity who doesn't want it. Yep. And I think mentally that's just a way better place to be in. And I will admit it took me a lot to get there. Yeah. Um, And I think just like going into all this, it goes into the myths of staying with an employer. Mm -hmm. Girl, I know I've been with three employers since I graduated from undergrad with five or six different titles and Mm -hmm. positions. Like, I think our generation is the first to be like, you know what? We are not going to get that gold watch from the person we first start working with at 22. Nope. And I I know for me, like, my my recent rounds of interviews, it was the first time where, uh, like, potential, like, now will be my employer, they were like... I've noticed that you've you kind of hop jobs like you'll you're there for about a year and then you go on to something else and I said I was like oh it's because like I was able to progress in my career field and I was and what I didn't tell them is that like if a position's no longer serving me I won't stay there you know because I want to make sure that I'm able to grow like I don't want to be this giant fish in a small Mm fishbowl like my fishbowl needs to grow with me Mm mm-hmm yeah, exactly. And I think for me, I mean, I had to get out of my first employer. Um, and then circumstances outside of my control then forced me kind of to leave my next one. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was during the pandemic. It was scary. I, you know, I was like, you know what? This is a job. This is something I'm interested in. Let's just see where it goes. And I took it. Yeah. And... I was with it for maybe like nine or ten months within the organization and when my current job opened up and I was like you know what yeah I've only been doing the one I'm in right now for nine months but this is my this is what I want to do I'm gonna go for it and I I did and I mean I, I ended up getting it but if I follow those like notions of you have to be in a position for a year and two years and three years like I would have never gotten the opportunities I have now yep And, like, I wouldn't be growing my career. I wouldn't have realized that I want to go to law school. I wouldn't have, you know, gone to the conferences, made the professional connections if I just was like, I'm just going to stay here and follow the rules, quote unquote. And you also, too, you have to look and see, like, you have to jump. When something's available, you have to jump. And it can be scary because, like, Amanda, what you said earlier, like, I applied for the manager and I applied for the assistant with you thinking that you're just going to get the assistant. Right. Like, had you only applied for the assistant, that's what you would have been offered. Oh, 100. And it's important to, when you're 
applying for stuff, challenge yourself. Like you don't have to meet all of the qualifications that they're looking for. Because if you do, you're overqualified. Exactly. Like I've never, and I've told people this, I've never been offered a position where I've done everything. I've done like at half of the stuff at most, maybe even a quarter of it. Some of the stuff I'm like, eh, this is easy for me to apply for. I can just send you my resume and make a cover letter real quick. Like I'm just going to do that and see what bites. Some stuff like I'm really, I've surprised myself on some of the, interviews I haven't been offered jobs but I've gotten interviews for stuff where I'm like there's no way in hell like one of them was for like a manager of a hundred apartment complexes I've never managed a facility in my life and of course I didn't get offered the job but I got my foot in the door I was able to make connections and talk to people right and you have to give people the opportunity to tell you no yep you can't make that choice for them Mm -hmm. and like you said like I was almost going to make make the choice for them and not apply for the manager role because I was selling myself short. And mm-hmm. I think it goes into like, you know, you have to have confidence in yourself and that's something scary and hard to do. But I think when it comes to your career, that is the one place where you are the ish. Yep. You are the rock star. You got to walk into that interview room <gasps> knowing you are it. And because at the end of the day, nobody knows everything and if they tell you they do, they're lying. Yep. You just have to be a hard worker. You have to learn, be willing to learn, and have some applicable skill sets. But if you don't m- meet all the boxes and they're not willing to train you, that's also not a good employer. Exactly. Like, you don't want to work somewhere where they're like, you have to meet all of our ass 100%. And if there's only two that you're missing and we're not willing to train you on them. That's not worth your time. It's not worth your time. Because, again, you're overqualified if you hit every box to a T and if they hire you, they should be hiring you with more money. Exactly. So that kind of goes to our 30 minute time limit. Mm -hmm. Next time we'll do our hottie hot takes. This time we got very passionate about something that we're both very familiar with. And we want to make sure that you're able to learn some of the tricks and tricks that we've learned along the ways. Yeah, and I think just check out our socials. We're going to try to get more active on there. And again, we hope our career advice helps. Again, we know it's not applicable to everybody. We know everyone's careers are different. And we know there's a lot of circumstances that are unique to me and Emily that helped us advance. But number one thing is believe in yourself. Go for it. And don't make no. Yeah. And as course, like we're going to lend you with a song at the very end to go off what Amanda just said. Don't stop believing. Bye, everyone.